podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello there, I'm Mark Dennison from BBC Radio Nottingham and Nottingham Forest, and you are listening to the rather wonderful 1865 Forest Ramble. Welcome to a new season at the City Ground, which got off to an underwhelming start, to say the least. Here at the 1865 Forest Ramble, we are aiming to keep you up to date with match reports and intelligent conversation. Do join us. Please subscribe via your podcast provider. Join us on Twitter for latest news and conversation. And we also give updates on Instagram and Facebook. Just search for Forest Ramble. Do get in touch and do leave a review with your podcast provider. It helps other Forest fans to find our content. Now, uh, just to go, get onto the pod, uh, you may have noticed that we've got a slightly different identity this season. Uh, this harks back to the early days of podcasting when uh, when Baz and I uh, started off in 1865, and uh, that's how uh, that's how we got started on this. And so we wanted to hark back to that a little bit. And there we did match reports and occasional conversations, and we aim to continue that tradition now. So, in that fine, fine tradition, let's start off by talking about yesterday's match with Stephen Topless. Hi. Hello. The Married on the Midlands. Hello. Hello. And with Baz. Hi. Hiya. And it was pretty bad start to the season, wasn't it, Stephen? Yes, it was. And uh, it, it had the feeling of a, a pre-season game, and maybe that's... The reason why the performance wasn't up to scratch, Forrester very much still in pre-season mode because of the the quick turnaround between this season and last season and, you know, not having the opportunity to play the same amount of pre-season games as you would during a, a regular uh, post-season before pre-season kind of break. So, yeah, just Forrest, I wouldn't say Forrest didn't try or didn't, didn't put enough effort in. I think there was plenty of effort there, but the quality just wasn't on show, and they paid the price for it. Married on the Midlands. Um, I mean, at least effort-wise, and in terms of a little bit of endeavour, it was better than the real tail end of, of last season. Um, do you think there was a hangover there? Um, it's difficult to say. I mean, if you're being kind, you'd say it's, it's, it's down to a lack of preparation, new players coming in. Um, lack, they haven't really had any pre-season games, have they? They've only had sort of two or three games, and it's very difficult to integrate the new players. But yeah, it's possible there is a bit of a hangover. Um, style-wise, it seems to be playing the same way as last season. Um, and so if they're going to do that, you're going to have a lot of the same problems that you did have last season. Mm, and we will come back to that a little bit later. And, and Baz, I mean... We can talk about the lack of pre-season preparation, but okay, Forest have made five or six signings uh, in the in the close season, which is more than a lot of clubs have. But on the other hand, when it comes to pre-season prep, it's the same for everyone, isn't it? Absolutely, and yeah, I didn't, I didn't watch the game or anything last year, but from from the reports that I've seen, it does it looks like we weren't ready, and it sounds like Barnsley were ready, and that it is kind of a little bit worrying because we have had the same. Same uh, amount of time, the same build-up as everyone else. And I, I do think, I suspect there is a bit of a hangover, maybe with Sabri himself. He, he didn't sound... It, the, the, his choice of words didn't sound great either afterwards. Um, it sounds like it, it, it's still affecting him, and he's, he's, not quite, he's not quite ready more than anything. Yeah, 
and again, we, we will come back to, to, to that, um, you know, what the... Once again, to quote Sabri's favourite English word, the mentality uh, might be like. But um, the club have invested in Sabri Lamushi. They, Although they didn't put it on the website or anything, they went public in saying, we are going to stick with Sabri Lamushi. And they've backed that up, Stephen, by allowing him to bring in new backroom staff and he seems to have had more input into the transfers. Um, what were your feelings about that, you know, in terms of the club saying, basically publicly saying, we back him? I, I thought it was a very positive move. I know the back end of last season, the way things fell apart was frustrating and, and massively disappointing for everybody concerned. But Sabri's become the first manager in nearly 10 years to complete a full season in the job. And I think the only way that we were going to progress was to keep the manager in place and allow him to build on the good work that he did last season. Of course, last season wasn't perfect, but I thought I thought there were plenty of positives and really good things that were put in place that deserve to be, to be built on this season. And when you look at the players that have been brought in, it seems like the club as a whole... The recruitment teams have learned from mistakes that have been made in the past and they've given Sabri the kind of players that he needed. I think one, to pick out one standout signing for me with that was Luke Freeman, who who Sabri was reportedly looking at back in January. Forrest didn't, weren't able to get that one over the line in January, but they've come back in the summer and they've, they've got him in on loan and I thought that signing was a real a real statement of intent to the rest of the league and also to, to for the club getting behind Sabri and giving him the kind of players that he needs to hopefully improve on, on what, what we did last season. Baz, knowing what we do about uh, Evangelos Maranakis and the way, he, um, the way he operates, were you surprised that the club decided to back Sabri or were you expecting Maranakis to pull the trigger? Um, I'm not surprised that he's backed Sabri, but I think that it's it's not that he's on um, on thin ice, but I think there will be no scope for any further mistakes. Um, and Christmas time will be uh, an interesting time if things aren't going well. And presumably making a slow start to the season is not something, you know, it, it, let's look at a team like Brentford, for example, who make a slow start to the season most seasons, but are pretty, you know, last two, three years have been pretty strong as the season progresses. Making a slow start to the season isn't the end of the world, is it? It's not, it's not but um, I've I, 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 I not checked the stats on this, but I have this feeling that we consistently struggle around when the when the weather turns, when it gets to winter. So if we've had a slow start and then start, stuff starts going wrong around Christmas time, then I can see Maranakis pulling the trigger then. And actually, that's where last season was a little bit of an anomaly in many ways, because Forrest had a bit of a, a dodgy period in, in December. But then from Boxing Day through to um, February... In the course of about six weeks there, that's when they really, really looked dangerous and, and cemented their place as a top six side, which, of course, in the end, they weren't. Um, married on the Midlands. I mean, there's two ways of looking at it, isn't there? So, on the one hand, and the thing that we all feel in our hearts, is that Forrest 
had it in their hands and they let it go in the worst possible way. But on the other hand, they were one point, one goal away from getting in the playoffs. Um, what were your feelings about the club backing Sabri and allowing him to manoeuvre in, in the transfer market over the summer? Well, I think they had to do it because they'd just given him a new contract. So um, that It's not stopped Maranakis before. I think it'd be, it'd be, I think it'd be unprecedented for him to sack somebody like four weeks after giving somebody a new contract. That, that would be. I think that would set a new record. Uh, that combined with the short period of time between the end of the old season and the beginning of the new season, and the fact that he had built up uh, a bank of goodwill during the course of the season, meant that Sabri had to stay. I think, uh, but a lot of that goodwill was eroded by the end of last season. A lot of um, uh, Sabri's stock fell a lot, really. Um, if you're being harsh, he, he looked pretty clueless at times at the end of last season, like he didn't know what to do. So the pressure is going to be on him straight from the start this year. So if he has a bad start, I mean, I, Baz said Christmas, but I can see it ending much sooner than that, sort of October time. If if we're nowhere near in in a good run of form by October, he'll be gone. Because there's, there's not only pressure from the board... There's a, a fairly substantial section of the support now who have lost faith in Sabri um, and and the way we play. Just to throw back to, to Baz for a second there, I mean, what's been interesting about the, the sackings that um, Maranakis has made, or the club have made, since Maranakis has took over? Um, I mean, the O'Neill one was slightly unusual in the sense that pre-season started, and then the club hierarchy spoke to the players and realised that they didn't, they didn't have any faith in O'Neill, um, which was definitely a case of player power. But with Karanka and with Warburton before him, um, what has emerged since, and this is looking at reporters like what Danny Taylor, for example, has said, is that a big part of it is that the club hierarchy didn't have faith in those men in terms of the improvements they wanted to make. Uh, for example, the January signings that Warburton had earmarked, the club were just going, well, that's not very ambitious. That's not going to get us over the line. Um, with Karanka, obviously, there was a falling out as well. Um, but that led up to the January transfer window. So do you think that reinforces the idea that actually Maranakis will probably be like, I don't really care what the fans say. I'm more interested in what what the manager has to say in terms of his plans to strengthen us to get us having a strong second half of the season? I thought, um, actually, listening to the interview that you did with Mark Dennison, um, when he talked about how the club tried to take the temperature, um, I thought that was really, really interesting. So I can see it from, from, and he was saying the whole setup at the club is much more professional than it was before. So, I can see how they are weighing these different aspects up. So it's like, right, Sabri's put forward his plans. These are what I want to do. This is how I want to take things forward. And they say, right, well, that's ambitious enough or that's not ambitious enough or that's fitting with what we had in mind. And then they also take the temperature of the players. They take the temperature of the, the supporters, uh, everyone else at the club, and then weigh all those up. And then it's, it's a balance of the lot. And if Sabri puts forward a really, really good case, and you would imagine with the signings of Freeman and Taylor that he has put forward a really good case, then actually then what the supporters say after the defeat yesterday won't have that much weight. But as the season goes on, maybe that will have more weight. 
So what you're saying is that Maranakis is concerned about what, and, and the club are concerned about what what the fans say, but not in the same way that Fawaz was. Yeah, it's not, it's not a knee jerk thing. It's a it's a, a much more measured approach, I and, guess. And of course, the other thing that makes it unusual, and again, this is something that I think we'll have to talk about a little bit later on, is that at the moment, it's not going to affect attendances because there are no attendances. I would imagine. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing here, but I would imagine that attendances wouldn't wouldn't be a, a major factor. It's more the the. The um, the temperature, as it were, of the of the fans. If everyone's dead against Sabri, then that makes his life much much harder. Even like a, a narrow one nil win. If you if everyone's flying, then a narrow one nil win looks brilliant. It's good to win when you're playing badly, but a narrow one nil win when things are going badly, and the the fans as a as a group don't like the manager, looks like oh we're just scraping by. So you see how the the whole attitude changes based on the context. Mm. Um, Stephen, let's, let's, you, you mentioned there about Luke Freeman, um, and you know, I guess in many ways that is one of the marquee signings of the summer in this division. Um, it just goes to show, as you mentioned, that trying to improve your squad in January... You can't use that to paper over the cracks, can you? It has to. Be. January, as we've discussed before, is where you reinforce your squad. Is where you get over the line. Um, and West Brom, I think, were the best example of that um, in this division in, in many years. Um, Leeds managed to do it without making an, having an effective January window. Um, summer signings. So we've got Freeman. We've got Lyle Taylor. Um, talk us through what your impression is of of the business that Forrest have done over the summer. When you look at the, the players that have been brought in, the one thing that stands out is championship experience. Forrest have gone out and, and, and brought players in who have got plenty of experience at this level and know what it takes to play regularly in the championship. And that, in the past, has perhaps been something we haven't done quite so well. We've been a bit, a bit more... You know, we've, we've brought players in from across Europe, which has been fine. But we haven't brought in enough championship experience around them to, to, to get that right blend in the team. Looking at the summer signings here, it, it seems that we've done that. Jack Colback coming in on a free from Newcastle. We know all about Colback anyway from his, his time at Forest before, but that, that's a very solid and very good signing at this level. And with um, We're not 100% certain what's happening with Ben Watson yet, but it looks like he's on his way out of the club. It seems as though he's left, doesn't it? Pretty much. All, all but confirmed. Having Colback coming in, who can take over that role from Watson and play it, perhaps with a bit more mobility and in a slightly different way, I think that's a, been a very, very good signing. And looking also, Tyler Blackett's coming in on a free transfer from Reading. Again, championship experience, over 100 games at this level. And Sabri apparently wanted to bring him in because he likes the way that Blackett can play the ball out from defence and also carry the ball forward from the back. Um, and he can also play full-back at left-back or, or centre-half as well. So that's versatility there. That's a couple of positions covered. Um, and then you're going into a player like Farad Bashiru, who... Has a bit of experience in the British game, Greenock Morton in Scotland, but 
looking at how he played at Malmo, he looks like the kind of player who would do well in the championship. He's combative and he he, he provides a lot of energy in the midfield. So, And it seems as though that's a signing that's been done to compensate for the fact that Samba So can't play two matches in a week. Yeah, exactly. We saw that last season. We, as great as Samba So is when he plays... We can't rely on him to play 30, 40 games Whereas a season. Whereas, if, I, if, I, if I've read rightly, um, Fred hasn't really missed any matches in the last two years, has he? So. Yeah, so, you know, it's all about having those options, isn't it? And having him coming in as a, as a different option to Sal, I think that's, that's good business. What we've done really well, I think, is we've addressed in the midfield, certainly, where some of our shortcomings were. Um, Colback, I think, strengthens that midfield. Freeman definitely does. And then you've got Bashiru in there as well, who is another option, who might not start every game, but he'll certainly come in and if it's Sambasau who's not playing or a Ryan Yates or somebody, he's going to come in and play. Uh, and then up front, Lyle Taylor, I think that's a, a fantastic signing. Certainly one of the best any team has made in the Championship over the summer. A lot of clubs were in for him and we as Forest fans saw firsthand just how good he was last season when when we played Charlton because he was he was excellent and ha- as a secondary option to Graben I, I think that's as good as we could get and married on the Midlands just to jump in there you were quite skeptical about Forest's chances of signing Taylor because you were saying that the fact that he chose to end his stay at Charlton a little bit you know chose not to play suggested that he probably had a big money move lined up maybe even to the Prem. So yeah. were you delighted that he's actually ended up coming here? Well, I was surprised because I, well, I think the direct quote from uh, Lee Boya was um, when he decided not to play was that he's got a life-changing contract in front of him. So I'm surprised that we're offering anybody a life-changing contract during a pandemic. But maybe maybe his... his Point of view of a life-changing contract. It's all relative, isn't, yeah, isn't it? Isn't, yeah, isn't maybe what we expect. Charlton, Charlton has spent a lot of time even below the championship, uh, even, you know, so they were, they were here for last year, but then before that they weren't, so maybe their contracts, when Taylor signed, wasn't even on a level compared to the rest of the championship. Yeah, maybe. And, um, yeah, he's, he's a decent signing. I, was, I mean, I, I took a slight dislike to him because of, of what he did at Charlton. I felt I understand the whole aspect of him not wishing to jeopardise his move, but I feel players do have um, some responsibility, some level of loyalty they owe to clubs who've paid them well. In fairness, Lee Bayer also said, I totally understand your position and I'm not going to criticise him for it. So, As a fan, if it was happening at my club, I'd be disgusted. Mm-hmm. Um, and disgusted, I, I would be, you. and especially as they ended up going down. So it's, um, it's uh, yeah... I mean, I'd be I'd be pretty bitter as a Charlton fan, but let's let's see how he does. I mean, all the all the things that I said counted against him still still do. He's he's only played one injury interrupted season in the Championship, and he's over thirty, so he's not going to be a, a great long term signing. But it might just be enough to help us I don't achieve know, but our goal. was thirty when we signed him. He's proven to be a good. Well, I think he's getting on for thirty one at the time that we signed him, so a year older than Taylor is at the moment. But Graben Graben had. Uh, a far superior record. Fair enough. Yeah, so, yeah. looking at yesterday's team sheet, do you think that that is a reflection of the team that Sabri wants to put out? Or do you think that maybe Taylor will be first choice ahead of Graben, maybe Freeman will be first choice ahead of Carvalho, etc, etc? It's really hard to know with Sabri, because whatever I thought last season, he did the exact opposite. So, um, <laughs> I would guess... 
just from from my point of view, I guess Graben would be the number one choice because he's earned that right over the last few years. Um, but with two games a week for the majority of the season, I can see them both playing sort of every other game and mm. um, being used as substitutes. Um, Freeman, you assume that now they've gone out and gone signed him with the blessing of of Sabri, that he would play. Um, I just that so I assume he's going to be his first choice midfield. I assume Colbat's going to be his first choice midfield, but you never know. And Baz, I mean, thinking about the the signings that we've made, um, obviously the the classic things that happened when the team was announced yesterday, and we all know that, especially with social media. But traditionally, at two o'clock on Radio Nottingham, that they'd have received a ton of people moaning about the team selection, no matter who's playing and, and so on and so forth. So that's just the way that football fans are. But there are two standout things that people noticed. One is that Carvalho was playing, and two is that Ryan Yates was playing. Um, do, we, do, do we assume that Sabri has learned a bit from, uh, from last season, where he took a lot of pelters for playing with three supposedly defensive midfielders in a 4-2-3-1? I think there's very, very little we can read into yesterday's uh, lineup and formation. Apart from, I have a suspicion, and this is just a suspicion, because obviously I have no inside knowledge, but that was pretty much a reserve side that he put out. And I would be surprised if the general side that he puts out is, is similar to that. Uh, I can see Taylor being the first choice above Graben now. Um, I can't see Carvalho playing regularly. I can't really see Yates playing that regularly, more, more as a, a backup, as a sub um, on the same front. So uh, I think that was more a, a tester to see who can step up more than uh, this is what my, my team's going to look like. And do we think that, you know, Sabri has decided that he needs to have different ways of playing and, and different options so whereas last season it was very much a, a case of this is my first I don't know 14 players and then no one else quite is quite up to the mark do we assume that he's decided you know what actually we do need to have more of a squad this time around the, the impression I get looking at the, the squad listing is we have more strength in depth than we did last season um but how that's used is going to be the interesting thing. So whether it's we have a first team and then a set of subs that we call upon to change things or when they run out of steam, or whether we literally change the, the way we play depending on the opposition or what's, requ- what's requi- required in that particular game. Um, my gut feel from from what we saw of Sabri last season is he's going to have uh, a first team and subs to, to call upon. Mm. OK. Stephen, I see that you've uh, you've been ferreting around and you brought up yesterday's team sheet. Well, what have you got to say? Yeah, you, when you look at the team, it does have that sense of quite reserve about it. You know, it doesn't... It looks a bit cobbled together, is my... Yeah. It's, uh, there's no lolly. There's no worrel. Carvalho is starting, which obviously didn't happen much last season. Um, 
And then you've got players like Colback, Freeman, Jenkinson, Dawson, Lyle Taylor on the bench. Actually, it's a very strong bench when you look at it. If you include Alex Mighton and then Jordan Smith as well. It's a very strong bench that we had yesterday. And I think that just backs up Baz's point about having... We just have more strength in depth in the squad this season. And that's hopefully going to stand us in good stead. Um, I think one point to mention yesterday, obviously... We're going to come on to Matty Cash, but the player who took his place yesterday, Jordan Gabriel, who played at right back. And it'll be interesting to see who actually does take that that right back slot, particularly for the first game at QPR next week. If that is going to be Gabriel who keeps the shirt or if it's a Jenkinson, might even be uh, Richardson who comes in. And, And yet, out of all of those, the name that I would have probably chosen as my first choice right back... And we'd heard whispers that Sabri liked what he was doing in pre-season was um, Dariqua. Because, I mean, obviously with Richardson in particular, um, and with Gabriel to an extent, um, we know that they are good going forward. But Dariqua is essentially an attacking right-back who improved his defensive organisation a lot under Karanka. So, you know, there's some talk that, that maybe Derrick would be the obvious choice to replace Cash if you want more or less a like-for-like uh, without risking too much. And Derrick wasn't even on the bench yesterday. Yeah, exactly. I'd agree with what you're saying there. It would it would make sense for Derrick to come in and be that player and who just comes in and slots into the right-back place. And, of course, he, he was injured most of last season anyway, which freed up certainly freed up the opportunity for Cash to go and play it right-back in the first place. And then Derrick would, because of the injury, never got has never had the opportunity to play under Sabri. So perhaps it would be interesting to see what Sabri could do with him. Uh, married on the Midlands, I think the team selection did have a feel. I say it felt a little bit cobbled together. It also had a feel as though Sabri kind of wanted to have a look at certain players in certain positions. So Gabriel being the obvious one, Carvalho playing as a number 10 because Sabri hasn't played with a number 10 for most of his time at Forest. Um, Blackett playing as a centre-half, those kinds of things. What do you think? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Um, I, I don't think they particularly wanted to win the game yesterday. And look at, <laughs> looking at the... But neither did Barnsley. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think anybody in the Championship really wanted it, apart from maybe Luton. They've sort of gone for it. Uh, but... Um, looking at all the results down the division, a lot of Championship teams lost... Um, so yeah, I can see that it's. Uh, I mean, the, the team selection doesn't really matter too much if they're just going to play the same way, though. I think that that's the big takeaway. I mean, they started off with two defensive midfielders again, it's are holding midfielders, and that's it's, it's just harking back to last season. It's, it's and we will come back to that after this. Hi, Stephen. You love a bit of merch, don't you? Yes, I do. What have you got in mind? Well, Flatback 4 have been in touch and they've got a great range of forest-inspired clothing and they've asked us to let you, the listeners, know about it. Oh yes, I saw that they have a range of t-shirts, hoodies and jumpers as part of their Nottingham Forest range. They do! And as well as the forest-inspired range, they've got matchday gear like polo shirts and loungewear and they've got jackets and, and face masks and they've even got babies and kids wear. Where can I find them? Well, their website is flat-back-four, that's the number four, so flatback4.co.uk. But you can also search for Flatback4 on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Cool. I'm going to have a look now. Wait, it gets better. 
Because if you mention 1865 at the checkout, then not only do you get some great merch with free UK shipping, but it also supports us at the 1865 Forest Ramble. Amazing. So I go to the Flatback 4 website, mention 1865 when I check out, and I can support the podcast at no extra cost to me. That's right. So visit flat-back-4, number 4, or look for Flatback 4 on social media. The 1865 Forest Ramble Sketch by Jeremy Davis They say that an elephant never forgets, which means that when there's a massive elephant in the room, it's very hard to ignore and tends to stick its trunk in whenever it feels attention is drifting elsewhere. Such was the case in Sabri's first pre-match press conference of the season, when the memory, or perhaps mammary, for the benefit of this analogy, of last season's last gasp retrieval of defeat from the jaws of victory, or at least probable playoff semi-final heartbreak, cast a mammoth shadow over his every Gallic gesture. He began with a warm tribute to the departed Matty Cash, which was a classy touch, and also had the useful effect of creating something of a feel-good factor, as the assembled press basked in the collective warm glow of satisfaction that one of our own should rise to the giddy heights of a Premier League relegation battle. At least now he's a Premier League footballer, Kashi might be able to afford a new sofa to replace the one he appeared to have nicked from the set of a 1980s DFS advert for his Keep Fit with Kashi video during lockdown. Having cashed in on the feelings of warmth towards our departing local hero, Sabri manfully faced up to the elephant in the room and took hold of both tusks. No, he couldn't be happy with last season because of the way it ended, but we have to move forward. Well, that was the essence of what he said. Sometimes Sabri's English can seem a little cryptic. There may not be any seagulls following trawlers, but sometimes he'll drop in a turn of phrase or a touch of nuance that seems almost mysterious. His aim, he said, was to make Forest's fans happy... Not for the start of the season, which may explain Saturday's performance against Barnsley, all part of a long-term strategy to keep the fans' feet on the ground, even if that has to be outside the ground during this particular period. My personal high spot of the press conference came towards the end when Sabri went full cantonar with his body language, not kung fu kicking a supporter or even turning up his collar, but a sort of Gallic shrug equivalent of a triple pike, when he announced that the key to the season ahead would be stability and good... And he launched into his extravagant multi-shrug gesture, leaving the journalists hanging, hanging, hanging on that last word, waiting for him to reveal what mysterious X-factor he would be unleashing on the championship. What could good possibly presage? Tactical acuity? Strength in depth? Service to the front men? Communication? Before eventually finishing his sentence as the assembled media folk perched precariously on the edges of their seats... Players. Good players. So, that's the secret. That sort of steely-eyed and penetrating analysis is exactly why Sabri gets the big bucks. That and the ability to put the elephant firmly back in his box. Okay, thanks a lot, Jeremy, and we hope to hear more from you throughout the season. Um, We were just talking before the break about style of play. Uh, Marvel in the Midlands, you're just coming on to that. And there has been some talk that Sabri does actually want to play with the number 10. But last season, he obviously didn't have faith in Gerard Carvalho. He probably didn't feel that Brennan Johnson was quite ready to play in that. We've now signed Luke Freeman. We know that Thiago Silva can play as a number 10. And in my mind, that's where he played his best football last season. Um, 
But as you said, Married on the Midlands, a lot of the same problems in terms of style and... The, I suppose the gap between the back part of the team and the front part of the team, those were still evident, weren't they? I think I think they were, and it's going to be difficult. I mean, we were maybe hoping after, at the end of last season, the last, se- last the end of the season podcast, we were sort of wishful thinking, saying, "Oh, Sabri's got to do this, got to do that to improve." But maybe it's not a well, it isn't a surprise that he hasn't changed a lot because managers tend not to change their philosophies. Um, they believe in what they're doing is correct and they tend to stick to it. I've, I've got the feeling that from what Sabri was saying yesterday that is, is harking a little bit back to Mark Warburton Warbur- where he said, do you, you don't have a plan B. He said plan B to do plan A better. And I think that's exactly what Sabri's going to try and do. They're going to try and eliminate some of the mistakes and be a bit more clinical at taking chances but play the same way. So not having a particularly a high proportion of the uh, possession not playing particularly far up the field, not pressing the opposition to to sort of dominate possession and, and win the ball off them. So Luke Freeman, if if even if he does play, or it's not going to help the whole team sort of suddenly become a, a great passing side because just he's going to be isolated a lot yeah, of the time. So so these are things that that I took from yesterday. That the trouble was, I mean, Amiobi and Carvalho are two players you can create. But they were the first two who were hooked. And, I mean, without, without watching the game, um, but I have seen a few people suggesting that, well, they still look like they could create, they just didn't get enough chance to do so. Um, Graben was isolated as per usual. So, so, so Baz, I mean, there's, there's a couple of things that come to my mind here. Um, and one of those is one of the points that you were making last year, which was to do with, I suppose, that footballing philosophy, you're a believer that Sabri doesn't necessarily want players to bring it through the middle, and he's he's kind of very much about using the wings. So maybe it doesn't make any difference whether we have a number 10 or not. Yeah, well, he's certainly, he's certainly one for the, the running the ball forwards, and the wing is our best position to do that because of the, the, the extra space they have with it. Um, I, he's, he's not that, and um, we've, we've heard, I've said this many, many times, one day, the key difference between him and Karanka's side, both of which could be argued were quite negative at times, but Karanka's side wanted to play the ball through and pass it person to person to get it forwards, whereas Sabri's side want to run the ball through and move it forwards very quickly that way. And I can't see that changing. It's, it's, um, it's from what I've seen, that's how his um, Ren side played, that's how the Ivory Coast side played. It's um, what people described him as a manager when he came to us. They said he likes to run the ball, and we've seen that again and again. I think that's his, his philosophy with the game. OK, and, and Stephen, uh, I don't know... The, the, the issue that we've got there is that you can't just stick a player, as Maradon the Midlands said, you can't just stick a player in the team and expect things to happen. And we've... And, to me, and if I'm going to play devil's advocate and say if I'm worried about something, it suggests that um, actually Sabri is very limited in that he, if he thinks that you can just stick a player like Freeman into the team and all of a sudden it'll make things happen without changing the mindset and the tactics, then we might be in trouble, mightn't we? Yeah, that is, yeah, you can't just expect that one player to come in and there you go, that's it, it's all done and we're, you know, we're all fine and dandy. I, I look at the other recruits in the midfield at Colback, 
and Bashery, for example, are struck me as more mobile players. From what we know Colback anyway, he's more mobile than, say, Ben Watson. And he's probably better at just carrying the ball 5-10 yards further forward than Watson could do. So I do wonder if player, if if Colback and Bashery are actually going to play quite an important role over the season in terms of just changing the dynamic of that midfield three. And, and that just might... to interrupt there as well, Maradon the Midlands, that's what you felt when he was fit, that Sambasso's role was so important because he would bring the ball forward a little bit and then pass it in front of a teammate, pass it so that Lolly or Amiobi could run onto it. Yeah, I mean, he just provided that little bit of forward momentum. Um, and just, just the sheer size and physical presence of him meant that the ball's very difficult. It's very difficult to get the ball off of, off of um, San Marcel. Um But yeah, may, may, I mean, yeah, hopefully Colback and and uh, Bash will will provide a little bit more of that. But it's, uh, I mean, one of the things with the signings is we haven't really signed anybody with any pace. Um, I think we're missing that. That's more than anything now. Looking, we've, I mean, we're, they're all good, solid midfield players, uh, good, solid defender, but. Um, we lacked pace last season, and we don't seem to have really addressed that at all this season. I mean, going forward, T- Taylor's not not a fast player; he's a, he's sort of a, a big target, but he's he's not going to run with the ball. Um, so maybe it was still a long time to go. We've got till October or something to bring somebody in. Maybe they can address that, and uh, that would help Sabri's style of play, just carrying it down the wings and getting the ball forward faster. Because with Matty Cash going, who was sort of one player who did have a bit of pace. I did provide that forward momentum, and, and why he did catch the eye so much from, from so many scouts is because he could bring it forward quite quickly and run with the ball. And that, and that brings us back to the, one of the points he made in our end-of-season podcast, which is uh, there's a bit of Mourinho about Lamushi, isn't there, whereby he doesn't really like number 10s. He wants the ball. He likes playing with almost like a lopsided back four when Matty Cash was basically doing the same role as Serge Aurier was for, for Tottenham. Um, and... And, and yeah, and, and it's the wingers who are the ones who have to, you know, the wide midfielders are the ones who have to, or the wide forwards have to create. So it does suggest that. Um, Stephen, just to come back to you, and sorry for interrupting your point earlier, are you worried that with Watson going, that we're going to lack that midfield focal point? Because that was such an important part of when Forrest looked good, it was Watson from the middle of the park um, kind of steadying the ship and allowing other players to do their thing. Yeah, I think having that player there who could just sit in front of the back four and pick the ball up and, and sort of get us moving, yeah, I think we might miss that. But it uh, is this, looking at the players that have been brought in, is that a shift in how we're going to operate in the midfield? And is this a sign that Sabri might actually just change and tweak his tactics slightly to, to get the midfield into different positions and just change the way that midfield plays because I mean Jack Colback could play that that sort of Watson role if you like but I think he's also he's got a bit more mobility so he can get around the pitch a bit more than Watson could and then Samba So when he's fit he'll do the same job so I I, I do wonder if if the midfield is going to change ever so slightly and it might we might set up a bit to, to get Freeman more involved and to give him more support. And that, in turn, will give the front three more support, if that's Graben or Taylor, Lolly, for example, and then Amiobi. And I do wonder if it, it might just make the midfield a bit more... maybe a bit more fluid, a bit more dynamic. 
I mean, formations, I suppose, are secondary to tactics. If you get your tactics right, then you should be able to play in whatever formation you need. But I made the point several times last season that Forrest, I think, looked more dynamic when they were playing in a 4-1-4-1. And, um, and yet we keep hearing that Sabri prefers a 4-2-3-1 with those two defensive midfielders that Maradon the Midlands talked about. Um, Baz, I mean, I mean, I would say that... Yates and So are actually better when they're not playing in a purely defensive midfield role and they're actually better as part of a four sitting in front of a midfield fulcrum which last season was Watson and this season could be Colback or, or Bashiru, I'm not sure. But but do you think that that idea of movement and, and sort of that dynamism in midfield is going to be important this season? I think um, a really good way of thinking of it is if you think of the manager and then you think of this, the squad that that manager has, which players in that side epitomises that manager's approach? So for me, Karanka and Carvalho go together. It was holding the ball, playing really, really slow, and then suddenly a moment of magic out of nowhere. Um, for O'Neill, I couldn't tell you who it was, and I don't think O'Neill knew who it well, was. Well, he either. built it around Lolly, didn't he? Because he's like, give the ball to Joe and yeah. hope he does something. And um, with Billy Davis, we keep on talking about Paul McKenna, about that bite in midfield and, and all that. And for, for Sabri, I think it's Samba So and Ryan Yates is kind of as his deputy. Um, although the, the side was built around Watson, actually So represents how he wanted the side to play. And the big problem we had was So didn't play that much. So I think that's going to be the key thing. And he's... He, the, the style of play, as you say, yes, I was probably better playing that a little bit further forwards, not as an out-and-out holding player, but giving us that drive, that dynamism. And it's it's how often he plays and how often these other, like like Bashiru, how often they get the chance to do that same role and Colback, whether Colback gets us to sit like Watson does or gets a chance to move forwards and drive us forwards a bit more. Mm. Um also, we talk about Plan B. Do we think, Baz, that the signing of um, Guerrero might represent Sabri realising that he needs to have a backup plan, the backup plan that was so sorely missing when we were under the cosh in the last... Uh, well, during lockdown, basically? Well, I, have to, I don't know anything about Guerrero at all. I've not even watched him on YouTube yet. I might have a chance to. But... Um... I think, uh, actually, again, harking back to Billy Davis, there was always the point in a game... Where You're going to say Deli Adebola, aren't you? Deli Adebola, absolutely. <laughs> and I used to love that. And it was basically just, let's have a big battering ram up front and completely change the way we play and turn it round. And I think that's needed. I think every side needs something they can do to just switch things around completely so that the, the tactics that the opposition manager has set up suddenly go out the window. And um, I, I don't, as I say, I don't know about Guerrero, but if that's what he's there for, then that makes me very happy. And with the exception of about three or four months of Hilal Sudani, we haven't had a player like that at the city ground for some time. So, so hopefully that that is a sign of an evolution in. Well, I suppose let's put it another way. Stephen, would you say that that's potentially a sign that Sabri is learning from just how tough and unrelenting championship football is? Yeah, and I think it's it's Sabri identifying areas of the squad where we are lacking. Um, what I've read about Guerrero from observers in Greece, from Greek reporters, is that he is a player who will... He's prepared to run, he's prepared to graft. He might not be a prolific scorer, but he gives defenders a hard time. 
he'll run, he'll challenge in the air, and he's just, you know, he's just a real handful, even if he's not prolific. But we don't need him to be prolific because we've got Graben and Taylor who can be he, the regular is, goal scorers. Is he a 21st century Jason Lee? You know, when, you describe, when I'm describing him, you do think there's a bit of Jason Lee about him. And Jason not as tall, Lee, not as tall. Not as tall and slightly different hairstyle. But uh, a player like that really can prove their worth over the season. There'll be times in a game or across the season where you need somebody like that in there. Jason Lee was part of a squad that finished third in the Premier League, quarter-finalists in UEFA Cup, more than did what was required of him, and perhaps Guerrero is a similar kind of player there. I've got a feeling he'll be probably used more on the wings as a substitute for covering Lolly and Amiobi. Because um, that, I think I think he can play wide, I did read that, and, and sort of the what, what, how sadly described it, I think he said he was a tough, a tough player, and so a tough, hard-working player. So I think he'll fit, come on more in the wide areas uh, of the of sort of the front three rather than play as a central role. Now, interestingly, interesting you say that because obviously Albert Adoma is back at the club. He has been training with the first team. There are indications he might be at least broadly involved with the first team picture. I guess if he's a, if he's at the club, it makes sense to keep him involved, even if he was a bit sore about the way that the <laughs> that he was recalled from Cardiff. Um, and I think that the, where Adoma's value really came in last season, Marriage on the Midlands, was when we were in those scrappy 1-0 victories of Adoma coming on as a sub and basically taking it down the corner flag and using his experience and guile to actually get the ball away from our defensive areas and hold it up in those positions. And do you think, is that what you're saying Guerrero might do? Well... Yeah, well, the thing with Adoma is he's, his primary uh, asset is that he has co- quality on the ball. That, I think, is a secondary uh, consideration for Sabri. He, first and foremost, he likes players who graft and run and work and follow his instructions. And so the sort of wildcard players, the Mavericks like Adoma and Carvalho, who can't physically can't do that job for 90 minutes... Uh, but offer something else are of less less importance to Sabri. So uh, you're basically remaking the case that Sabri is basically you know a championship Mourinho, aren't you? <laughs> no, I mean yeah, a little bit, but it's just it's just what he values more than other things. He would value a player who will run and follow his instructions to the letter for ninety minutes over a player who will follow his instructions for eighty minutes and then be tied for sort of five minutes in the first half, five minutes in the second half. But might score a worldly goal from out of nothing. He prefers somebody who's just going to run and work hard, and so that's where I think so Ado- ha- Adoma is going to be his like fourth or fifth choice. He'll, he'll come. Course. He'll come in if if Amiobi and Lolly. Of are course, in. but in that sense, doesn't it seem a bit odd that we've signed Freeman, who in that sense is the same as Carvalho, in the sense of you you can't expect Freeman to keep going and grafting it, for 90 it, minutes. A, it is a surprise. He's not a Sabri-type player. From everything we've seen of Sabri in the last year, he is not that sort of player. His Freeman is a throwback to a, a 90s footballer. Not he, just because of his hair. Not just because of his hair. It's just the way he plays. He's not going to run and run and run. He, just, he gets the ball and he can pass the ball. And I've, I've always liked him because he reminds me of the sort of players I used to like when we were growing up. Sort well, of. he's a number 10 in that yeah. sense, isn't he? Like, all the, if we think about the number 10s that we've seen at Forest, OK, um, or players who have that similar kind of ilk, Andy Reid, Raddy Majewski, 
Joao Carvalho, Luke Freeman's a similar kind of thing in the sense of he can get the ball, he can bring it forward, he can spot a pass that maybe other people can't. And yet, we don't think that Sabri values that. Yeah, so it's going to be very interesting to see how he plays and uh, how Sabri utilises him. OK, um, let's move on. There's a couple of things I just want to uh, come on to. And the first thing is, Stephen, as Maradona Midland said, no one in the Championship really wants the League Cup this season. We have got a very, very congested season. I think it's worth reminding everyone that this season is going to be as ridiculous as last, in the sense that we're still cramming in 46 games into a much shorter space of time. So what's the next month or so looking like for Forest in terms of fixtures? You've got, I would say, it's a, it's a decent run to begin with. You're starting off at QPR away. Now, we all know that Mark Warburton defences can be a bit generous. Uh, they showed that against us at Loftus Road last year, so perhaps that's a good fixture for Forrest to start off with and hopefully get a result. And I think that's the thing. Going, just quickly going back to the points we've made about Sabri and the goodwill that's probably dwindled a little bit amongst the fan base. Points on the board early on will just hopefully settle things down and you know it, we can get into the season not worry too much about we're losing too many games or we're not picking up enough points. There's opportunity in the first few games to get some points on the board. Cardiff at home, that's going to be a tough game. First home game of the season. But Cardiff look as if they've got a strong squad for this season. They do, yeah. and they, they, they finished last season strongly as well. Obviously fell short in the playoffs to a very good Fulham team. So that's not going to be easy, but it's a good early test. A little bit like Maybe that's the why West we couldn't release Albert Adoma. There you go, you see. Maybe that's why he's back. To uh, inflict something on his old club, per se. But, um, yeah, that's a good early test. A little bit like the West Brom game last season, which, OK, Forrest came up short in, but it's that's a game that just gets you kind of on it and, and really up and running in the season. Week after that, Huddersfield away. That could be, well, that could be a tricky one, but I would think Forrest would have enough quality to get a result at Huddersfield. The Cowleys aren't involved either, which is also... A plus. <laughs> uh, and we don't really know what Huddersfield are going to offer this season, do we? Because new management, players going, not no, not many coming in, so they're a bit of an unknown quantity. Um, interesting, Married on the Midlands, that um, the Football League have basically said no midweeks for the first few weeks of the season, which is good in terms of enabling players, in terms of their well-being, to get up and running slowly when there's not been a very good pre-season. But also means there's going to be fixtures coming thick and fast for pretty much the entire time between October and May. Yeah, it's it's going to be a challenge. I mean, it, there always seems to be a midweek game in the Championship anyway, but even more so this, this time round. It's, it's going to be a real test. It's, I mean, you look at clubs that have come down from the Premier League, um, Watford, in theory, should have a really strong squad and should do well uh, this year. Norwich... I don't know. I really they they could either. I mean, they they've got the same base of the same players that played so well to get promoted. But are they going to have a hangover? I don't know. Um, who else? With Bournemouth, they seem to be shipping players left, right, and centre. So it's going to be a wide open league, and teams with a strong squad, in theory, should do well. Um, in- and uh, one one thing I would say is that you talk about matches like the Cardiff match as first home game of the season. Um, Baz, as a 
distance supporter, you know, somebody who doesn't live in Nottingham, but is a season ticket holder. You know, we don't know what's going to happen with going back to matches yet. And it's hard to blame the club for that because we need to know what the government guidance is. But how do you feel about... There have been a lot of grumbles about the lack of communication from Forrest. How do you feel about that as a distance supporter? I have absolutely no idea what's going on with all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it is really, really confusing. And and it's... So obviously, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky in that my dad paid for my ticket this season. But the, if you're putting your money in like that, it is, it's a horrible situation to be in with having this massive weight, weight of uncertainty on you. And, uh, and communication-wise, the reason I was thinking about this was because yesterday in our WhatsApp group, you were saying, hang on, is this match on I follow? Because as a season <laughs> ticket holder, you're not quite sure what you're getting or not, are you? Exactly. Well, to be honest, we, we are lucky in some ways. In the championship, at least I follow and the EFL thing it seems to be set up right. Uh, the, some of my friends who are fans of clubs in the premiership, they've got a much, much worse situation where they're getting day passes for this service and a day pass for that service so they can watch this and watch that. But because because their, their matches are spread all over the place, it's much, much more complicated for them. So I think we, in that way, we should count our blessings at least. Mm. And, and obviously there's lots of people with grumbles about I follow themselves I think it's fair to say I follow is far from perfect but I think it's, it's a long way short of perfect but like you say it's a blessing at least we know where we're going with that um, Stephen um, do you have anything to add on that in terms of again you know from the point of view of a season ticket holder should the club be doing more I think a bit more communication would help Just, people are in the dark about this and some people have already renewed their season tickets and they did so as early as March when the renewal date was, you know, was put in place. But there are people going into this final week before the season kicks off having not renewed their season tickets because they just simply don't know, like the rest of us, don't know what's going on and what will be happening over the course of the season. Do you have to renew your season ticket in order to get your iFollow pass to watch the games? Will you be able to watch games at a discounted rate if you had a season ticket already? We don't know this. And um, there's more questions than answers. And I think we can safely conclude that I think that the authorities, whether that be at EFL level or club officials, probably could do more. As you say, communication is the key to it all. And even if there's a communicator to say, we know it's a bit of a mess, we need to you know, look into it and we'll be back to you soon, they'll just... I mean, obviously, there'll still be people moaning about it, because there always will be, but I think that would go a long way in terms of goodwill. And um, in terms of goodwill, I say thank you very much to Stephen Toplis, to the Maradon in the Midlands, to Baz, and to Jeremy Davis. Um, I say thank you to Flatback4. Don't forget to visit Flatback4 on their website and to insert the code 1865 at checkout. That's your simple way of supporting this podcast to keep going. Um, And the other way you can support us, listener, is by leaving us a review on your podcast provider and give us a follow on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. And if you do that, it'll help us keep going and it'll help other Forest fans find our content. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back with more match reports and more chats coming up very soon.
Sports Social Podcast Network.